Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we hear from all types of fascinating tango professionals. We hear about their experiences, their insights, and through that, we figure out ways to improve our own tango. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, thanks to all you newcomers out there. I'm really happy to have you with us. And please take a moment to check out our previous episodes. You will no doubt find answers to many of your tango questions. To help keep the podcast going, I'm also accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. My guest today started dancing at age three. During her childhood, she took up ballet, modern, jazz, and tap. Her passion for dance continued to evolve, and she would go on to spend several eventful years as a professional ballroom dancer. She won a good number of championships and retired from competition in 2003, the same year she earned her PhD. A few years later, she relocated to Seattle, Washington. Although she had experience with Argentine tango at various moments in her life, it took some time to develop a passion for that dance. And when that happened, she found herself making multiple trips to Buenos Aires. While in BA, she not only immersed herself in studying the dance, but also came away with a number of eye-opening experiences, which we will hear about in a moment. Today, she is a professor in the Department of Dance at the University of Washington in Seattle, where she teaches studio and academic classes. As an educator, she specializes in cross-cultural topics involving dance and has published numerous articles and books on tango, ballroom, salsa, rumba, and swing. And she has a lot of other exciting ideas and thoughts, which she will be sharing with us. And with me now is Juliet McMains. Juliet, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. It's great to talk to you as well. Yeah. So, Juliet, uh, you have a lot of dance experience under your belt. You have started since you were a little kid, and uh, it wasn't until later on when you discovered Argentine tango. So, why don't you tell us a story of how you came across tango and, and what grabbed your attention? Well, I, I think it was a long process. Uh, because I was introduced to tango uh, many times uh, along my dance journey, where in, and it didn't grab me right away. Ah, okay. So um, I'm trying to think back, and there are, when I started ballroom dancing in the early 1990s in Boston, there were a few people doing tango, and I think I took some lessons, but it was being presented as choreography rather than really improvisationally. Uh, because it was so new to the area and hardly anyone was doing it. Um, so it did not grab me in that way. Uh, and uh, when I moved to Los Angeles to pursue my PhD in dance history and theory, mm -hmm. there was some more tango there and I did some a few classes. And, and actually, I this part I remember very clearly, um, although... Uh, James does not. So <laughs> James Friesian, who became my mentor, is is the reason I really got into tango. I met him in 2000, um, I'm trying to remember, sorry, 1997 or 98 mm -hmm. in L.A. Because I went to a Milonga there because I was curious about all forms of dance, yeah. especially partner dancing. Because mm -hmm. that uh, is what grabbed me when I was in college and didn't let go for quite a long time. So I was interested in all forms of partner dance. So I was like, there's this, this tango from Argentina. Cause we did tango in ballroom. Right. And I never really related to the ballroom tango. 
And, uh, but I had to do it because it was part of the competition structure. If you did uh, other standard or smooth dances, you had to compete in tango. Mm -hmm. So I was always curious about it, but I couldn't quite figure out, you know, what it was. And I did remember going to this milonga and I didn't really know tango, but I knew how to follow. Okay. So uh, I could dance with people, but it didn't quite feel like tango. But I remember meeting James and he must have been a teenager and I danced with him all night. He doesn't remember this at all <laughs> because I could follow. And, and then he was like, yeah, this, this dance is like so cool. And now I don't do anything else. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I was like obsessed with becoming a ballroom dance champion, mm -hmm. which is, uh, I think, a misguided goal for anybody. Oh, but wow. <laughs> uh, I was I was I was obsessed with that. So I so I and I and there was you know, not a huge tango community in uh, L.A. at the time, but I was working in a studio where there were some tango dancers from Argentina, so I did a little bit of it. Okay. But but there wasn't a vibrant community, especially of younger people mm -hmm. doing it, so it didn't sort of grab me. At, at that time, what grabbed me was salsa because there was a really vibrant community of young people doing it in an improvisational way connected to the music, which is, I think, the two things that most, appealed to me about tango and also the salsa, the improvisation and the, the deep respect for an interaction with the music. And then having a community of people that you can relate to is, is key, right? It's a social dance. So if you're not in a community of people that you're interested in being social with, it's going to not, you know, it's not going to stick. So, so, so it didn't stick until I moved to Seattle in 2006. And I had been really involved in the salsa community in Florida where I was living mm -hmm. and uh, teaching salsa. And I was at that time involved in researching a book on salsa dance history. But when I moved to Seattle, I was actually kind of disappointed in the salsa dance community in Seattle. And I'm happy to say it's changed a lot since then. But at that time, people really didn't understand the music in a deep level. They were kind of just dancing and doing moves and mm. not really listening to music. And I was like, oh, this isn't quite what, what I'm into. And uh, when I moved there, James offered to teach me because he wanted trained dancers to practice with. Mm -hmm. So it was really his introduction to the dance. And I was like, okay, I'll learn tango. And um, he's such a gifted teacher yeah. uh, that he inspired me so much, not just about his dancing, but his teaching methodology. I don't think I'd ever seen a, a partner dance teacher who has such a really clear structure for how to teach the dance sort of systematically. So not just a bunch of steps or a bunch of techniques, but he, he's, he created a whole system mm. uh, and he's constantly revising it and refining it. Um, and so I found it so inspirational and he's influenced me as a teacher in all the styles that I teach. So it was in introduction to the dance and then, over time getting involved in the community in Seattle and then discovering how much freedom there is in the improvisation of the dance form and um, and then also over time really starting to understand the music. The music did not catch me right away at all. It was really old and <laughs> I, I, it just sounded like scratchy records right, right. and and the movement also didn't catch me right away, especially because I was used to salsa dancing, which was, um, there was so much more movement. And in the beginning in tango, you're just like walking. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
I remember very early on, I would like go out tango dancing to the Milonga for an hour and then I'd be like, I got to move. And then I would go salsa dancing. (laughs) (laughs) This is just too slow. (laughs) You guys got to get moving. So it was a while before I could really get into the nuance of tango and the joy of the really deep meditation and intimacy of moving slowly and the subtleties of the music. Mm Uh, and that happened also as I gained more skill Yeah, and dance with better dancers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, James is a great guy. I had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. He was really fun to, fun to talk to. So with such a deep background in ballroom, was it, was it difficult to transition to tango? Well, I think that the difficulty was knowing how to follow, but it being um, such a different dance. I'm trying to think what were some of the, the big challenges. I think one of, one of the biggest challenges is that cross system doesn't really exist in other partner dances. Yeah. So I was used to being able to reverse engineer the leader's steps from following. I really actually enjoyed that, like I, in salsa in particular, because I didn't learn it in a studio. I would go out dancing, I would follow, and then I would be able to figure out what the leaders were doing and then go home and practice the leader's steps. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do that at all with tango. I would follow somebody and I was like I have no idea what they're doing and I also remember it feeling like a completely different dance with everyone I danced with in the early days and I was like that so I couldn't recognize similar patterns because so many ballroom dances are based on a basic step and then variation mm-hmm. so the the openness of it took a while to find like what's the what's the tango in all of this what's the common denominator in what everyone's doing yeah I mean, of course, the posture is one of the biggest differences, but I, I was able to make that transition fairly smoothly, maybe because I had good instruction. Nice. Yeah, you mentioned James being such a huge influence in your own teaching. So what's some really good or memorable advice that he gave you that really sticks to you today? It's probably a lot, but uh, do you remember anything in particular that really stands out as something that kind of keeps coming up again and again? Well, I don't know if it's so much the advice it is as it is the way he modeled teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reads all of his students uh, as really intelligent, creative, thoughtful people. Um, so even if you have no skill, people are already, uh, like you, you might look like you're sort of uh, a small child in the tangle world, but if you're an adult, you're already intelligent. And uh, so he presents a lot more sophistication in how he's talking about it than Mm. people are able to internalize. But I think that inspires people to actually become the best versions of themselves. So sort of treating them like they are already three steps ahead of where they are, Um, which is not to say that uh, I think that's really different from giving people things that are beyond their capability levels to do physically. Like he has a really good understanding of like, okay, to get to be able to do a turn, you have to do like these 10 exercises in this order before you get there. Mm -hmm. And so really building methodically, that's the word methodically, (laughs) sort of uh, like a lot of discipline in practicing in small steps, but Mm -hmm. then talking about it in a way that really respects students' intelligence and uh, so inspires them to think about things in really broad um, ways. I thought it was really inspiring. Um, The other thing he did, I think, that was really, really influential with me and uh, in his school for a long time, he had me start learning both roles within like the first couple weeks of learning the dance. 
And he created incentive systems for me to continue working on both roles. Like he said, well, I'll work with you as long as you go out and practice leading at least once a week. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say, yeah, you should work on both roles. But if you don't set up an incentive system to really make that attractive, it's really hard. Um, I mean, the dance is so hard as it is. And then to try to be mastering two roles at once, especially when society around you is not really encouraging that kind of structure. It was really influential for me and uh, also for how I'm teaching now, not just tango, but other social dances. I'm really experimenting with having everybody learn both roles from the beginning and creating incentive structures to really um, encourage that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find if you just if you just don't make a big deal about it, you just sort of present that this is the way it's done, uh, people can do it really well. Mm-hmm. So it's great that you're proficient at both leading and following. So it's looking, just kind of focusing on Argentine tango in particular, uh, what would you say the unique challenges are in each role? Mm. Oh, so funny you said focus just on Argentine tango, <laughs> but there's so many things that, that translate across all sure. Leads. Yeah, how, yeah how, um, follow partner dances. Yeah, bring, bring um, all your thoughts in. So the, the challenge of, and I don't use the word follower in my classes anymore, okay. so I think I'm going to use the word that I use. Sure. Because I, I feel like that uh, encourages uh, the word follower and passive mindset. Yeah, and because it is kind of loaded. Because women who, who tend to do it. So I use mm-hmm. the word in my classes interpreter. So it's a more active role. Yeah. Uh, word concept. Uh, so for an interpreter, the challenge is being in the moment mm-hmm. uh, and not getting into the left side of your brain where you're analyzing and thinking about the past and the present. And that's both the challenge and the joy of that mm-hmm. role. In tango in particular, that role, the physicality of that role is, is, is much more challenging. I mean, just starting with walking backwards mm-hmm. is harder um, for humans because we do it a lot less often than walking forwards, but, you know, big overturned back ochos mm-hmm. and baleos. I mean, there's a lot of vocabulary that's just physically more challenging on your balance mm-hmm. and the mechanics is more difficult. Mm-hmm. So there's the being in the moment, not knowing what's going to happen, but Mm -hmm. then being in the right place at the right time with these often challenging mechanics. For the leader's role, or what I'm now calling in my classes the initiator's role, there's the challenge of planning ahead, but still responding to what's happening in the moment. I think that's a really challenging duality Mm -hmm. because you're more responsible, not solely responsible, but more responsible for choosing the vocabulary and choosing the couple's path through space and relationship to other couples. So you have to be more aware of what's going on around you to anticipate mm-hmm. uh, where you're going to go to avoid other people or keep moving around the ronda mm-hmm. with your partner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so that being in those two minds of thinking ahead and also being in the moment to react mm-hmm. is tricky. And, and adapting to each partner. I mean, both people have to really adapt to each partner. Yeah. And I guess that's a challenge of both roles. But mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with myself. I was going to say maybe you have to do that more when you're mm-hmm. initiating or leading to decide like what kinds of vocabulary is going to work with this partner, right. both what they're capable of doing and what they're, what they're interested in doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sensing their, their desires for mm-hmm. what is saying about 
the, yeah. the vocabulary is so broad and there's so many styles and it works much better if you can agree on some subset of tango that you're both interested in mm-hmm. in the moment to this orchestra on this dance floor. What do we both want to do together? Yeah, absolutely. And just one little thing that happens that I really love is when someone throws in an adornment and that just creates mm-hmm. another avenue of creativity and just to see how one's partner can react to that and whether they get scared or whether they play along. It's really neat to, to see how that happens. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it doesn't feel like adornments to me if I'm doing the interpreter's role because mm-hmm. um, I feel a little like ancillary to what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on who I'm dancing with and what the orchestra is, but wow. oftentimes I will try to actually alter the course of what's going on mm. for both of us mm-hmm. intentionally. Um, not, I mean, sometimes just to mess with them. <laughs> to <pay> attention, <laughs> but more, more, more often because I'm like, I've got a really good idea that goes with the music here. And mm-hmm. I really want us to do this now. Okay. Are you with me? And that can be really fun for mm-hmm. me. So I like to create more of a dialogue mm-hmm. than a dictation. Uh, but it depends, again, on the partner, right. the music the environment. Mm-hmm. I did want to say one more thing about sure. the, the challenges of each role. Absolutely. I think the bigger challenges of each role are not in the dance itself, but mm-hmm. in the cultural environment around mm-hmm. the dance, mm-hmm. like in negotiating who you're going to dance with, handling mm-hmm. the cabaseo, and because it's still structured more often that the men, and I really still think it's men unless we're in a queer tango setting, mm-hmm. are doing this, the cabaseo, I feel like it's different challenges that they have in mm-hmm. that game. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow, I have to sit down and think more before I said something I regretted about what those <laughs> different challenges are, because I think they're both hard challenges in sort of negotiating all of the, mm-hmm. the social um, anxieties around who's going to dance with me? Who do I want to dance with? Who do I have to dance with in order to maintain some sort of certain relationships in the community versus my own desire? And Mm -hmm. how do I not hurt people's feelings or hurt people's feelings? And it's it's kind of a a swirling mess. And I think it is very unequal swirling mess Mm -hmm. because of the two roles, because one person is more responsible for choosing Mm -hmm. the vocabulary and Mm -hmm. navigating the space. And I, you think it is a so there there's an inequality there that comes stems out of the inequality in the dance but mm-hmm. i think that the inequality is is magnified in the social context yeah definitely a big big topic with lots of thoughts maybe someday we'll sit down and really really drill down <laughs> into it yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so which would, is why oh, i'm yeah oh i was just gonna say which is why i'm really like fantasizing about a, a world in which everybody does both roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a, a lot of research in and I'm writing about queer tango mm-hmm. um, context where it's advertised as queer tango and I, I love those scenes, mm-hmm. uh, but they're also really associated with promoting space for where um, LGBTQ people feel uh, safe and I think those mm-hmm. are really important spaces to, to maintain like that. So. I'm fantasizing about like open role where it's it's gay and straight and and queer and everybody is welcome and everybody's expected to do both roles and mm-hmm. I'd love to see like okay well then what happens mm-hmm. with the social dynamics so that's my that's my fantasy future world that I would like to build okay 
Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it is really fun to to try the other role. I remember the first time I tried it, it was so it was really fun. And it's and it just helps your dancing and like you said, it, it not just beyond your dancing, it really helps uh communities as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so Juliet, what was your very first trip to Buenos Aires like? Oh wow. So I went in two thousand twelve for two months. Uh and I I went um, partly to research queer tango because I had read a little bit about queer tango and I was sort of imagining that it was this panacea that I just described where um, all of these things that I didn't like about the social environment of tango were stripped away because the gender roles were removed Mm. or maybe not they weren't removed but they were reshuffled so that Mm. they weren't attached to gender or Mm. perceived gender anymore. It wasn't quite the panacea that I had fantasized about, uh, but I really, really had a great time in the queer tango scene there. Mm-hmm. So, and that wasn't something that I really um, had experienced in the U.S. at all, mm. uh, because there's such a big tango scene there. There at least were, and I think that queer and gay milongas have all closed uh, in the last year. Mm. But they were able to sustain like several queer milongas a week or mm. somewhere advertised as gay, whereas nowhere else in the world is there a big enough tango community to do that. Mm. So I found that so freeing, and I was really able to work on my leading in a way that I hadn't been able to do in the U.S. So that was that, that part of it was really amazing. And then I was also going to the more mainstream tango scene. You know, I learned so many things, both mm. about the culture and about myself going there. Um, I mean... The city is so loud and disorganized and chaotic, mm-hmm. and it uh, it really helped me learn. I'm a little um, control freakish, mm-hmm. and it really helped me to learn <laughs> how to let go of some of that. Because if you try to control everything, mm-hmm. it nothing happens there. I mean, there's you know the subway is always going on strike, and the city is always going on strike. Yeah. And nothing <laughs> happens when it's supposed to happen. And when I sort of let go of like okay, like, let's not be so attached to what you thought was going to happen today. Mm -hmm. Then something else amazing just happened. And that sort of on a personal level helped me learn, you know, being there for that long helped me. And I think that was absolutely essential for my tango, too, to Mm -hmm. not be so attached inside the dance Mm -hmm. about where I thought I was about to go, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially doing the the traditional woman's role. Mm -hmm. So I would got more comfortable with really being in the moment which is as i said before the Mm -hmm. the the essence of that role Mm -hmm. i remember really clearly a lesson i took there where the the teacher i was studying with said you know you are you're just like such a good dancer you know exactly how to be a perfect dancer Mm -hmm. right because i have all this dance training so you know exactly where to be when but but you're missing sort of like all the stuff in between. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, so it's like, I know, oh, okay, we're going to do a turn now. I know how to do a turn. Mm-hmm. Rather than, like, let's, like, wait for every micro milli- moment mm-hmm. in the turn to see what my partner's doing here. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really profound for me. And I was able to practice it so much because I was going out, even that first time I was there, I was maybe like a lot of people who go to Buenos Aires from outside Argentina for the first time, really obsessive about, I was dancing like 12 hours a day at least. Mm -hmm. So I was able to practice that patience Mm -hmm. a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And you have to practice also isimilongas because you spend a lot of time sitting around. Yeah. Uh, because you you there for so long. I mean, I find still it's a little disconcerting in the U.S. that people come to the milonga, and like almost before the music starts, they pick their next partner and they're on the dance floor because yeah. they're much more efficient <laughs> about it because they're like, I've only got like one or two hours to get my dances and go. Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Whereas in the milongas in Argentina, they last for so much longer. They don't go all night. People mm-hmm. come to socialize, so there's a lot more sitting around and chatting, and mm-hmm. you just kind of change the pace a little bit. Yeah. It's not about getting something done. It's about being in the moment to see what is going to transpire mm-hmm. between you and this environment and these people in it, and see what you can learn from it, experience through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like what you what you said about how you know when you when you were really observant about the the greater cultural context of tango and how you know the culture here in America is like yeah we want to be efficient we want to get things done uh, in Argentina how you said that you just have to kind of go with things and how like you said things people go on strike things don't always happen when they're supposed to and so you find that. I guess when you're in an environment where a lot of those things happen, that's got to affect the way people tango. So. Did you find mm-hmm. that happening? Oh my goodness, there are so many things that I learned about the culture that helped me understand the dance better. Mm-hmm. The, as I said, the city is so crowded. It's a city of 13 million people. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially when you feel it's when you're like on the subway and the buses, the buses are so packed. <laughs> and yet I noticed how aware people are of each other in, so it's very crowded, and yet people have more awareness than they do uh, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first time there, uh, cell phones weren't a thing, um, mm-hmm. and so maybe it's changed because, you know, in the U.S., everyone's just, like, looking down at their cell phones <laughs> and they're really not aware of when they're out in the world, like, mm-hmm. what else is going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seemed like somehow people were much more conscious of each other mm-hmm. uh, in space, in the the world, and so that translates into the milonga, like people are not crashing into each other. They're much better at managing a very crowded dance floor because they're in a very crowded city. Mm-hmm. And they also sort of understood like this sense of the embrace being this like really intimate space inside a really chaotic, crowded city mm-hmm. where you can build communication uh, and have this sense of, oh, here we are amongst all these people. Um, but right now it's just us. Mm. And uh, I don't think I, I really could have understood that if I had not been in that environment. Mm-hmm. And I also got the sense uh, people really did look out for each other in a different way than in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, because of um, so many government failings. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That they're like, well, the government is not taking care of us, so we have to take care of ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the U.S., I feel like there's just a little too much reliance on like, oh, well, the government's going to take, you know, clearly they're not going to let this happen or that mm-hmm. happen. And maybe yeah. that's shifted recently because I think there's a lot less confidence in the government. Mm-hmm. So I seem to lead to more awareness of other people and, and sort, of, uh, sort of shared humanity that gets expressed in the tango in mm-hmm. certain ways. Yeah, interesting. That's so great. This dance when you go somewhere else to dance, just what you you know, you're not just learning steps. You're learning about so much more, so much more than that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and also the the lyrics, uh, sort of understanding the poetry of the music in a whole different way. I mean, after being there for two months, I 
my Spanish got much, much better. Mm -hmm. And I realized I started speaking in some of like the melodrama of the poetry. Did I just say that? (laughs) And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. now I know where this really high drama comes from in the in the lyrics mm. it comes from the <laughs> intensity of feeling and expression like in this moment i feel this so strongly and then yeah tomorrow i might not feel that at all but mm-hmm. in this moment i feel like if i don't hug you or kiss you i'm going to die yeah. <laughs> um, and it just seems so dramatic from mm-hmm. this american perspective but yeah. you know i actually started saying those things mm-hmm. <laughs> after i'd been there long enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also like what you said about how before you just kind of realized how how much you had this kind of control freakish side, and I was like that too, and uh, still am to some degree. Until you know, tango really makes me aware of that, and that you just gotta let so much go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. So, Juliet, uh, what future projects are you working on? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well. I think I already alluded to the fact that I'm working, um, and not just in tango, but also in salsa, I'm really working on trying to figure out how to create incentive structures to encourage more people to do both roles Mm -hmm. so that I can work towards this world that I have a fantasy of, um, that I think would be a better world for everybody where Mm -hmm. everyone was learning both roles and they weren't so attached to gender. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to find more people uh, working on that project, uh, and I've so I've published a couple of articles mm-hmm. on queer tango, okay. and and now I'm interested. I, I think and I think queer tango is so important, and I'm also interested in open role tango that extends the project to the entire community of people interested in tango dancing. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I've been working on for a long time in various ways is choreography both researching it and doing it myself in mm-hmm. tango that's not tango scenario um that's more experimental tango choreography there's a, a really rich and beautiful tradition of tango scenario in buenos aires and mm-hmm. it doesn't really exist in the u.s there's not there's not jobs for it right there's so many casas de tango in uh, buenos aires where people can have full-time jobs performing mm-hmm. the stage tango, but it's so determined by these tourist expectations. I see. Um, there's been very little space for more experimental work that brings tango choreography into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So much of it is sort of frozen in the 1950s when it started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's some really interesting innovative choreographers there who are doing interesting things, and I'd like to figure out how to work with other people to bring more visibility to that and encourage that more. And I you know one of the ways I know how to do that is through my writing and, and, and uh, scholarship. Mm-hmm. But I'd also like to, to find other ways to collaborate. Um, and I've done that myself, some choreography. So that's been something I have been doing, and I'd like to get back to it. But I have to uh, think through how I can most mm-hmm. effectively contribute to that project, because mm-hmm. I don't have the the skill that some of these choreographers have and artists in Buenos Aires. So finding more people who are living in the U.S. or finding Mm -hmm. financial structure to get more collaboration of people who are interested in that, Mm -hmm. Um, like blending um, ideas from contemporary choreography and uh, stage tango. Uh, And I have a, yeah, and I have a new, uh, well, I have a new role romantic partner who's we've been dancing together because he's from Argentina. Nice. Um, although 
he moved here when he was 12. So he's got the cultural background, but he learned tango actually starting in France, so not in Argentina. So we're, we're, we're working together. Um, and hopefully we'll work together on more of those projects of, uh, blending Mm -hmm. different dance forms. We did a, we did an underwater tango film, Mm. uh, last summer. Uh, Under, underwater tango film, you said. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We did tango underwater. It was pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> so, so more things like that. Although our, it's been really interesting working together because our backgrounds in the tango are so opposed that mm-hmm. it's been really challenging to, to negotiate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that's really beautiful about tango is how vast it is and how many um, different approaches there are to the dance form. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's actually been in some ways really inspiring to find out like, Oh wow. Like we have like different basic understandings of how to walk and how to pivot. And, mm-hmm. and so it really forces me to go really deeper and re-examine, okay, like what, 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 what's my lineage and not just my lineage, but like, what do I think the mechanics are and why, mm-hmm. and how can that mesh with yours yeah. in a new way? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing I really love about, Argentine tango is that there there is this lack of centralized authority as opposed to um, you know say American ballroom like American or, or you know mm-hmm. there is a syllabus that's decided upon people and you got to do it this way and yeah I mean that it's great in some ways but at the same time in tango I love how there is the debate and then there is like you said the negotiation and then the creativity and the experimentation that comes from this dance it never gets old <laughs> yeah yeah great. So, Juliet, where do we find out more about you online? Well, you can go to my website, uh, julietmcmains.com or the University of Washington mm-hmm. Department of Dance, uh, which is where I teach full time. Okay. And I'll have your uh, website in our show notes so people will be able to look you up and, and learn more about you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for this uh, interview and for the project you're doing. I think it's a really great service. Thank you. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. And thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're busy uh, as a full-time professor and also with all these awesome ideas in the pipeline. So best of luck to you, Juliet, and uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you in person sometime. Okay, great. Lovely right. to talk to you. All right. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Okay. That was fun. It was great hearing about Juliet's background and her ideas and thoughts on tango. I really enjoyed hearing about her experiences and observations of tango while visiting Buenos Aires and how the culture and energy of the city influenced the tango scene. She specifically mentioned how she, as a very orderly person, had some trouble adjusting to the unpredictability of the city. Transit workers would suddenly go on strike. Things that were scheduled to happen sometimes wouldn't happen. This was frustrating at first, but as she learned to adjust to all this apparent chaos, she was able to develop a mindful way of thinking that was directly applicable to her dancing. And it was very interesting to hear about how the unpredictability of Buenos Aires affects the everyday interpersonal interactions of the people living there in very detailed ways and how that also affects the tango scene as a result. And this made me think about other tango scenes or communities I've visited, especially when I've had negative experiences. Perhaps I should have taken more time to soak in the surrounding culture of the city before rendering judgment. Something to keep in mind next time I travel. 
I also appreciated Juliet's thoughts on queer tango and open role dancing, how learning both leading and following roles, or initiator and interpreter, to borrow her terms, should not be treated merely as an afterthought or novelty. Working hard to become proficient, not just competent, but proficient with both roles, will give us a deeper understanding of the dance. It will help build empathy and break down a lot of mental barriers and preconceived notions we have of each other. It also opens up new possibilities, conversations, debates, and a whole host of other ideas. So thank you again, Juliet, for sharing your thoughts, your ideas, and for your time. And of course, thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to subscribe and please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.